Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast and just having a lot of fun this summer, getting a chance to connect and learn with a few of my, I would just say, mental tabs closed out, a little more bandwidth just to take in some new learning. And so I'm so excited uh, to be able to have this conversation today and to share it with our listenership. Uh, we welcome Mary Alice BFX Curran, uh, who is the founder of the Digit Institute uh, to the pod today. And she's going to talk a little bit about being a school community architect. And so Mary Alice, welcome to the podcast. Ah, thank you so much for having me. I love that introduction about closing down some tabs. Because that is all not just about, you know, the summertime, but that need for balance in our life when we take time to unplug and to be present with people. And then when we do plug in, it's, you know, meaningful and deliberate and we're focused on being content creators, not just, you know, doom scrolling out there. Um, So I'm really happy to join you today. Oh, and I would be remiss not to give a shout out to Jamie Donnelly, who is a mutual friend who connected us for today's conversation. So thank you, Jamie, for listening, for encouraging us to find the time to make the space to have this conversation about the work that Mary Alice is invested in. Uh, so Mary Alice, we take a moment, please, to kind of tell us a little bit of your backstory for folks that don't know you as well as Jamie or myself. Okay, well, I'd love to give Jamie a shout out as well, because I have been really fortunate to work alongside Jamie. And I will never pretend that I'm an expert in immersive technologies, but what we do you know, in tandem side by side is we model immersive technologies and digital citizenship and having that foundation. A lot of people talk about like, it's the fancy, it's the buzzword, it's shiny and new and let's get that tech into our classroom. A lot of people are out there with immersive technology talking about that, but Jamie is the only one I know that leads with that foundation with digital citizenship. So you have that foundation, you add those layers before you look at anything shiny and bright and new. And that's the part that I really am excited to kind of explore with you today because I'm just really fortunate. My area of expertise would be digital citizenship, but even prior to going live with you, I had described I usually don't lead with that anymore because that term has become really broad. And so what I've been leading with is if people ask, what do you do? Well, I'm a school community architect. I am really lucky. I work with school communities around the world where we carve out time and space for our young people to invite the outside community. So a really intergenerational approach, right? Let's get our grandparents, our parents, our caregivers, our thought leaders, our our business and industry to come and learn with students around how to use technology for good. And like I said, back to Jamie, I get to do this alongside Jamie, specifically around immersive technology, but I feel like those layers We need this in absolutely everything that we do online. I could not agree more. And what I've found is that particularly as there's been an uptick with the uh, AI powered is a phrase I see a lot, (laughs) technology, even though I feel like a lot of that stuff has been going on for quite some time. (laughs) And then also the generative AI tools that are out there have led to some new possibilities in that tech space. Uh, And so I'm grateful to maybe get a chance because you mentioned the layers there. Uh, to explore some of those layers and then apply that to, yes, different 
tools and, and maybe some different ways in which we can leverage those in educational space and learning, but really staying grounded in uh, using tech for good to use your yes. tagline. Yes. Uh, well, the, the layers are, and they're, you know, from ISTE. So the first layer would be about being alert. And what ISTE has recently done is they've changed, whether you want to call them elements, I call them layers because we want to add layers into, you know, the content that we're already teaching. So it's not just one more thing or an add-on or, you know, a time to come to an assembly or putting a check in the box. I like to use them as layers because it's a very proactive approach, these new elements and being alert, right? Like that, just even the term, you know, you're being aware of your online actions. You are aware about creating safe spaces for yourself and others. It's a, a different way. It's more, it's proactive rather than that reactive kind of scare tactic that we had when, you know, I first started my own digital citizenship journey. So that would be the first layer. Then there was the balance. And that's how, when we first connected, I talked about that importance of shutting down, you know, those tabs, that, that importance of being present and not always being online, but being present face-to-face with people. That next layer would be about being engaged. And I love that because all we really need is an opportunity to connect and collaborate in, in really meaningful ways. And if there was only one thing that a teacher might do or library media specialist is to be willing to break down classroom walls, like forget about tools, right? Forget about anything bright and fancy and the new buzzword and the new excitement just to be able to connect with other humans, right? On a collaborative project, even if that is all that we do, that is going to make such a significant difference about how our young people engage online. And then that next layer would be about being informed, which obviously goes hand in hand. It's like a glove with media literacy and knowing how to accurately decipher any facts or fiction that we might find online. I feel like that is a really important, especially in today's day and age, where even before we were live, we were talking about that there's this loss of civil discourse, right? There's different camps and opinions, and there's a lot of division online. So that importance of knowing how to be informed when you see something that's posted, how can I decipher if this is is accurate or not? And then that last layer is being inclusive right? That this isn't just for some or that group or those people. This is for everyone, right? When all is all. And I I really love that approach. And then what we've done at the Digital Citizenship Institute is we've added, I guess, another layer, a, a package where you take those elements, those layers, and you want to create learning opportunities for young people to identify real problems in local global or digital settings, and we want to give them opportunities to solve it. And then that in itself is becoming what we would call an impactor. So not just talking about this, but actually putting it into action. So that's the type of work that we do. And if I were to tie it back to AI, I'd love to give a shout out to Heather Brantley. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to meet with Heather before, but this goes back to AI. So just like Jamie in the AR, VR, and EDU space, leading with digital citizenship. Heather Brantley is also leading with digital citizenship with AI specifically. And I feel like her hashtag, I hope I get it right. It's like, it's lead them, not block them. I got it wrong. It's not the exact, but it's that idea of being side by side. And instead of blocking this, how can we 
side by side learn this together and actually use all of those layers to really help in a positive way move forward with what AI is going to look like, not just currently, but in the future. It's got that ethical piece to it as well. And that if our young people are solving those problems and they're thinking about them, and they're not just, somebody's not just talking about it at assembly, but they're doing these projects around it. It's really powerful. And in fact, if I were gonna say anything, Heather, we put on a global student showcase this past uh, April and Heather's classroom actually did a presentation on digital citizenship and AI. And we use the hashtag DigCitAI, but they, they looked at all of those layers through the lens of AI and what a powerful way Instead of having the grown-ups talking about it, that our young people have the opportunity to do it alongside the grown-ups in their life. Wow, so, uh, there are so many great ideas in there, and I'm going to start to parcel some of those out. And one, say that Heather Brantley was someone I can't remember if Jamie mentioned her on the podcast, which I would point folks to if you're like, who is this Jamie that we're talking about? If you're enjoying today's episode, definitely check that one out after this in the past episodes. Jamie's been so great to come on the last few years during March when she does her 31 days of AR, VR, and EDU to kind of promote that effort and point people to those resources. But she referenced Heather also uh, as being an example of some great work in this space related to AI in the classroom. Uh, and a question that I would maybe just want to frame, because I would like to get into all of these different layers and maybe kind of press into them uh, to the degree we have time in, in today's conversation. But one would be to ask, how early is the right age? I, that's an odd question, right? I, I, like, How do you even, where does this work begin with supporting learners? And I understand too, if they've not been exposed to it, any time is probably the right time. Uh, but I got to think that as students are learning to navigate technology from the onset, you would want them to view it through the lens of these layers. Is that fair to say? Uh, oh, amen. I would say the earlier, and even if it's the fact, I'm not into the science, the shining, probably established that, right? Like the, whatever the tech tools are, I am really into making those connections with other humans. So I say early and often, and if I can give one other shout out, if you do not know Mary Jalland in Scotland, she is a must follow. Her Twitter handle is Ellie, E-L-L-I-E, primary, and then the number one, Ellie primary one. And she's a classroom of stuffed elephants. So there's Ellie, there's Granny Ellie, and there's Blue Ellie. And these stuffed elephants literally go around the world and I've been fortunate, Jamie's been fortunate too. Actually, we were in Russia with Ellie, Jamie and I, we, we got to bring Ellie with us to Russia pre-pandemic and we would post. And so Mary's students get to learn about the world with the world through other people's posts. So Mary works with four and five-year-olds. What they have done is incredible. I look at what these four and five-year-olds solving real problems in creating solutions. And I think, my gosh, if four and five-year-olds are doing this, there's more that I can do, we collectively can do. I can tell you really quickly one story. And it was, you know, when you're four and five, no matter where you live, you're learning about the different roles in your community. And they were out in their community in Glasgow. And whatever they were supposed to be doing, whether it was the post office or the baker, I don't know that part of the story. But the young learners were really worried about the number of homeless people and like homelessness in Glasgow in their community. And so Mary being an exceptional educator, you know, you pivot, right? Whatever that visit was supposed to be, this is what they were addressing. And so they learned 
that homelessness, the number one problem is access to clean sanitation. So these four and five-year-olds, while they're learning their like math facts, they made this public service announcement. And they said, as you know, if you wanted to help support us learn our math facts, anything that we make, we're going to get a toilet for our community, right? And it went viral. And not only were they able to get like one toilet, they were able to get four toilets. And I look at that and that is the type of learning experiences that we want in all communities, that our young people are making a significant impact with things that matter to them. So like, let's have the grownups go to the side, right? Like, let's just be that guide on the side and let's create more opportunities like that. That's a powerful story. Powerful in the sense that if you start to perceive the world as being something that you can have a significant impact on from the age of four and five, your lens for opportunity is just going to be shifted, right? It's not somebody else's problem. It's not somebody else's responsibility to address a problem. It's the community's issue. And as a part of the community, you're going to take part in doing your part to rally people around that. And if you reach out and use technology and yeah, our connections, uh, that's to maybe get back to your word and to be able to connect with others and communicate, you can have a difference. I love that. Yeah, you know, it, it, to me, it comes back to that focus around we, not me, right? And if, if we carve out those times and spaces for our young people to be in such authentic, you know, have an authentic learning experience like this, I think that the tone that we see online, the division we see online, not just online, it's actually in person as well, it would change in such a positive way. So I feel like I've always wanted to the beginning of my my own digit journey, I was a faculty member. I was an associate professor. I was teaching teachers. And I had created a course called Please to Tweet You. Are you a socially responsible digital citizen? This was the fall of 2011. And my undergraduates came up with, I was hoping, it's my definition actually. It's my definition for, for digital citizenship to this day came from those college freshmen. And they said, we need to have opportunities where we can humanize the person sitting next to us. So I want you need to be able to see the human next to you because if you can't see the human sitting next to you, you're never able to apply that to humanizing like people around the world that might look different, speak different languages, practice different customs or traditions or religions. And if you're not able to apply it there, you're never able to apply it to the person, the human across the screen. So it's that idea of the person sitting next to me around the world and across the screen. And it's those human connections that we really desperately need in all communities. As you were sharing that, it made me look back over the list of layers here and wonder if, as you mentioned, this is a great practice for digital citizenship, but it's also a great practice for citizenship and being a part of a community. Maybe starting there then too, and to get to the layers, and, and I'm not sure to the degree we want to continue to balance this with the story from Glasgow, but they were alert, right? Like they were alert to what was going on, the needs that were present around them. So maybe as it pertains to a digital environment, can we press into that a little bit more? Because you mentioned awareness when you were talking about that. Uh, aware to what what types of things, for example, as they're online, and I would think both in a positive and concerning sense. Specifically for the alertness. example in Scotland or just in general? To do a little more to frame this as a question, let's explore that layer of being alert. Uh, and we can talk about that in person 
as the story in Glasgow shared, uh, and or maybe following, then sort of bringing those same principles into the digital space. Okay. Well, I feel really strongly that if we can't apply it, if, it, if we can't see it in action in person, we're never going to be able to then apply it to being online. So, you know, I don't know if I want to say it's one in the same, but it has to happen in person for it to happen online. And for those four and five-year-olds to have identified a real problem in their community and then to create that public service announcement to make others aware, right? In that awareness, you are empowering others. You're inspiring and empowering others to say, hey, I could do something very similar in my community or, oh my gosh, we're doing something like that, but I didn't think about putting that part online because that to me is that ripple effect. So I use this a lot when I work with schools where you like skip stones and it's got the ripple effect. Well, those ripples can be positive or they can be negative. That is that choice, right? Like I have a responsibility, but it's got that ripple effect. And that, like, I love the imagery around that because your words and your actions, they matter, right? They matter in person, they matter online. And if we don't have opportunities to practice this, not just to talk about it, to, but to put it into action through projects, through passion-based projects, then our young people and the grownups, I feel like the grownups here, if they don't get to practice this, they're just, this is intergenerational. We all need this to make positive ripples in our own community, right? It starts, whether it's in our school, if it's in our town or our city, those ripples go out, go out, go out. And when you use that tech piece, then you'd have no idea the impact of your words and actions in your own town or your own school or your own home, where that will and who you'll influence in a really positive way. Love that. So, and, and again, we're kind of like bouncing between examples here, but I would say that this group was alert in person and then they chose to then see technology as an avenue for alerting others to that. And that is a positive way of thinking about it. Cause I think sometimes when we think digital citizenship, we think of barriers and blocking and the very real consequences that come with not being alert when you have bad actors out there <laughs> that are doing things, uh, you know, but, but I think it could mean both, right? Like I, I like the emphasis here on the positive as a like balance, we'll get to another layer, but uh, to balance out the negative perception, if that's where your mind tends to go. Yeah, it's not a list prior. When I first got in my beginning of my own journey, it was a list of don't do this, don't do that, right? Mm -hmm. Like a long list, all these things to avoid. And I'm so happy that it has pivoted, right? And we're in a different space where we're trying to encourage, we're trying to model, we're trying to inspire, empower, right? In a really proactive way to make a significant difference in the lives of others, you know, ourselves and others, that idea about being alert, you know, I want to create these safe spaces for myself and for others. And if we do that, then we can continue to add those, you know, other layers to make sure that last one about being inclusive, that this is for everybody, not just some people or those people, this is for everybody. Yeah. And be engaged too. They gave the opportunity for others to engage in it to the response of the video going viral and yeah. showed that others will engage in addressing those community needs if given the opportunity to. 
Yes. And, you know, I, I can't emphasize enough. I've said this. I, I will. This is the statement. This is my favorite classroom, like ever, because they're four and five-year-olds. And if you don't do anything, like follow Ellie Primary One, because you will be full of joy when her posts are in your feed, honestly. And I look at, I look at everything that she does alongside her students and I think there's so much more, like I had said, that I can do, that we collectively can do. The words and the actions of these four and five-year-olds really has a positive impact. Their ripples influence my decisions when I work with school communities to create more learning experiences just like that. I can't wait to follow. When we get done recording, that'll be the first act that I take once we get done. And you should have her on your podcast because she is an exceptional educator and exceptional human being. Oh, uh, I 100% will be reaching out as well. So if she's listening in, look look for my email. Um, with this too, because uh, uh, again, just kind of checking off the layers here, I do appreciate getting a chance to think about these and think about these in context. And when I see the word balance, at least in my own context, so I, I have a 12-year-old daughter, I have a nine-year-old son. And as we mentioned, this is summertime. And as we are now at home, we talk a lot about tech balance and balance in terms of how, not just screen time, but also what you're doing on the screen during your screen time, which I think is incredibly different for each of them uh, in what is healthy and what it can also sort of be maybe not doom scrolling, but <laughs> uh, but but negative in some regards. And also trying to pair that with, with their day-to-day just being present in our home and in their activities and playing with their friends. And so, uh, Maybe speak to that a little bit more then when you get the opportunity to speak and share uh, and lead learners uh, and schools, communities with that balance layer, what, what are some of the key points that you like to emphasize? Well, especially because of summertime, I'll answer that specifically for summer. I happen to love baseball. I'm from Boston, so I love, I don't know, I might offend people listening, you know, I'm Boston Red Sox fan, Fenway Park, but I can tell you when my son, who's 16 now, when he was little and we'd go to the game, I would say, we're going device-free, and I would like purposely leave my phone in the car, and um, I would do that, and he would be like, but this is the game, he was the kid that would bring his glove, like, this is the game, I'm going to catch the fly ball, and I would say, If this is the day that you catch the fly ball, you will remember it for the rest of your life, right? We don't need to capture a picture. And so I look at that example and I think how many times are we, no matter how young or old you are, are we experiencing life through our device, through a lens, right? Like whether it's a graduation and even I think about kindergarten graduation and parents elbowing each other as they're trying to get the recording of it rather than putting that device away and being present in the moment, there's a professional photographer, like whether that's kindergarten or, you know, all the way high school or, or college graduation, like there's a professional photographer that's going to capture that, like be in the moment. So having those opportunities to go to Fenway Park, go to a baseball game, to be present. I love the slowness. In fact, I wish the MLB would hire me because I would market the fact that here is the last place that there is an opportunity to enjoy the slowness of life, right? That you get to unplug and you just get to be present in a really long game, right? Uh, And people watch and have your hot dogs and your popcorn and your peanuts and Cracker Jacks. I'm going to start singing in a second. But have those opportunities for whether it's your own children, um, it's just for yourself, 
to unplug and be present. And then let's think about, I know at least here in the States, we're getting ready for fireworks, right? On the 4th of July. How many people watch the fireworks through their device and they're taking video? And then I always say, when's the last time you watched those videos that you took of the fireworks, right? Put the device away. Be present. Do your, ooh, ah, oh, that's my favorite one. Do that in real life. No screens needed. Those would be like, how can you carve out time and space in your own home this summer for the grown-ups specifically, because we're modeling it, to have those opportunities for our young people to experience the beauty in not being tied to a device. I absolutely love that message. <laughs> and uh, it makes me want to go to a ball game. And I've not been to one in some time, but I, I do enjoy it for those those reasons. And I, to build upon what we were sharing there too, when I think about the mental health crisis at this current point in time and how prominently it seems that whether we want to call it screen time or social media, the, the factors that those play uh, in that is, is significant. And so that balance piece is really important. But I also know from just in raising my own two children, uh, I love when my son gets onto YouTube and looks up a recipe of something that he wants to, to make or that my daughter wants to create something at home, uh, but decides that she needs to like find some avenue virtually to help be that model for her of how she's going to go about creating that thing as being someone who's producing something with that. And I don't count that screen time as being the same. Uh, and so when we talk about balance, I think it's a nuanced conversation. And so where does that sort of, I don't know if I have a question in there so much as like, how do we start to think about that in a way that we can make sure that our children have healthy practices and do really meet that balance layer of your message? You know, you couldn't be more accurate about that. There's a mental health crisis happening, you know, for our young people. But again, this is like, I feel like another intergenerational. It's not just our young people. It's happening, you know, no matter how young or old you are. And that balance piece is so important. And we have an incredible partner, a balance partner that I'd love to share because, you know, when the pandemic hit and the world turned upside down and we were in lockdown, you know, trying to find help was next to impossible. And I feel like the system, this could be a whole nother conversation. So I'll try to be really brief, but like the mental health system is broken. And for our grownups who are trying to find resources, whether it's for themselves or for their kids or trying to figure this out, please go look at samehereglobal.org. They are an incredible resource. They are breaking the stigma instead of that like one in five where they talk about mental health illnesses, or if you want to use labels, you know, depression, anxiety, whatever that label, you could interchange any label. It's looking at five and five, right? For mental health. Like we all, you have a challenge, same here. So right now people can't see us, but this is American Sign Language for same here. So you have a challenge, same here. It's very inclusive, right? We're looking, it's changing, it's very proactive. It's having opportunities to bring your brain to the gym, right? Just like you bring your body to the gym. They are doing incredible programming in school communities around this new focus, proactive focus around mental health and normalizing this conversation that this is for everybody, not some people, not that group. And going back to their logo is, is based on American Sign Language. It's the hand signal for saying here. And that in and itself is so inclusive. But 
he has leveraged, it's Eric Kuzin, and he has leveraged every sport contact he has. He was front office NBA. And one day he couldn't, I hope I get this right, but it's generally right. He couldn't get out of bed. And then one day turned into, you know, two years and all this different medication and no options until, until he found a doctor who's talked about, you need to bring your brain to the gym and there's breathing exercises. And so now he has leveraged all these sports contacts to tell their same here story so that young people have their role models are showing the humanness, right? Like that I struggle, I have this challenge as well. But to just kind of now go back to why this balance and the focus on mental health is so important is that this is the negative things, right? Like I'm, I am aware, I am very well aware that there are things we're supposed to avoid. I tend to, when I work with schools, look at things that we want to encourage, but the bullying, the cyberbullying, the comparison, even the, I mean, the algorithms, right? We have to help our young people realize that if you start to look at something, and let's say it's something negative, your feed is going to continue to feed you negative, those things that are going to do harm, that aren't going to help to move you forward. So we need to have those opportunities for our young people to see, I'm more than my algorithm. And then I am aware that I am being fed this information and I have the power to break that algorithm, to be more than that algorithm. And to go back to that hashtag that I like to use, to use tech for good, you know, I have the power within myself to change this, this course of action, but this takes a community, right? So for our young people, they can't necessarily do this on their own without the support of grownups and the entire school community doing this side by side. So I can't speak strongly enough about the importance, and this could be have Eric Kuzin on your podcast from Same Here. It is a conversation we need to be having in all school communities everywhere. For those that are listening in, I will add a number of these Twitter handles and sites and references to the show notes. I'm not sure Fenway Park's going to make it in there, uh, but <laughs> I'll add a bunch of uh, the others that we've pointed to uh, up to this point. And I think that kind of leaves me at a place where a, a direction I'd like to go is, let's say that I'm a classroom teacher or a school librarian or even a counselor, maybe, and it is summertime and I've got a little window to do some new learning, right? Uh, to set some new goals. And I understand some folks are like, I want to sit by the pool. Like, oh, full respect, do that, take care of yourself. But I also know this for many is a season where there is a little bit of space to to grow whenever you're actually not uh, in the rhythms of the day-to-day -day demands of, of your job throughout the school year. So um, what would you recommend or suggest people do to help them be more effective and enhance their efforts in support uh, of students in this space once the school year gets going? Well, let's stick with balance because I think that it is really important that the grown-ups, no matter what their role is, unplug, right? If you're going to go to a baseball game or you're going to watch fireworks or whatever it might be, like, don't bring your device, like unconnect yourself, right? If you are able to put that into practice, even something as simple as like, not that people are setting alarm clocks over the summer, but I, you know, when I work with people, I ask who has their device by their bed, you know, and all the hands go up. Well, how about going back and getting an old fashioned like alarm clock? How about spending the summer saying, good morning or good night to the human beings 
rather than your device, because if you're sleeping by your device, the first the first action is checking with your device in the morning or saying good night to your device at night, like get reconnected to the humans and maybe some furry creatures, right? Some pets, some beloved animals in your home. Like, let's just start there. And then if we practice what we preach, if we walk our talk, I think that would be huge. And then also as a reminder that all it takes is one person, right? One person to stand up and make a difference. That goes back to what we've talked about, our words and our actions. So you don't have to rely on anybody else, your team, your administrator. Like if you want to bring this type of learning into your classroom next year, start to explore that hashtag, use tech for good. Connect with us. What we do is we do not go to schools and put on assemblies. I get calls all the time. Can you come and do an assembly? I'm sorry. I'm the wrong person. I don't want to talk at anybody. I want to create learning experiences where I get to learn with you, right? So it's not a one and done. It's an ongoing relationship and it's all focused around passion projects. So it doesn't feel like it's one more thing. These layers, these digital citizenship layers, they can be applied in no matter what grade you teach, no matter what your content is, and it will make a positive impact in your classroom that will create those ripples that will inspire and empower others. And so if anything, my last parting words would be like, you don't have to be an expert in any of the bells and whistles and the shiny new tech products. All you need is a willingness and a disposition that says, I want to learn alongside, whether that's going to be my students, my peers, my colleagues, that's all you need. And if you have that willingness and you are that one person, stand up and be that one to make that impact. That's it. That's that's the magic formula. Has nothing to do with tech, right? Really. You don't have to be an expert. Wow. That that spoke right to my heart, Mary Alice. <laughs> I really did. I yes, yes. And just living with intentionality and being aware of, well, it's all the things we've talked about in today's podcast. And so I'm really grateful that. Uh, we got the chance to connect. I'm really feeling so fortunate to have had a chance to learn from you over the course of our conversation today uh, and look forward to connecting with all the folks and the resources that you shared out. Uh, and so thank you so much for your advocacy. I, one of the things that I say, probably to the point where people are like, I'm tired of hearing you say this on the podcast, but I am, I'm always so inspired when we connect with folks because there's so many great people doing amazing work out there on behalf of kids and educators and learning. And it is just so motivating to share 30 minutes and to hear your passion and to hopefully have that spur us to living ours out with that in mind as we move forward. That is it. That is it. And it's it, it goes back to that. We are the company we keep, right? Mm. So when you do get to me and you make these connections and then they make other introductions, I mean, our worlds just become so rich, right? And it's the power of we, we over me. And using technology for good right? Yes. Because that's like, what we've done. That's it. And like leading by, I always talk about, I want to lead by hand, heart, and mind. That's what I want to do. That's it. Because if you lead that way, everything else follows. Certainly done that today. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll get a chance to have you back on soon. Wonderful. Thank you. I hope I get to see you at NIDA next year, right? That'd be terrific. That's it. So All fun. right. Wonderful.